wonderful musician by the name of Lizzo once um once criticized the Jaws soundtrack by saying, and I quote, "It's two notes, bitch." And um, this will become relevant later when we discuss uh, a film that uses a Lizzo song in its soundtrack. Yeah, um, I'd like to think that every good podcast ever has has a good running gag or a good running joke. So, so uh, we're just we're getting it right at the gate before you guys even know our names. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Stan Lizzo. Uh, it's two notes, bitch. Welcome, guys, to Geminis Radio. Um, we are co-hosts Ben Shane and Daniel Asbel. And we're two very nice movie boys. Two nice Jewish movie boys in the town of Thornhill, Ontario. Yeah, it's like NPR, but for stupid people who like movies too much. That's what I initially thought of when you proposed this idea. And... um. Both of us have, are practically, uh, have been with Geminis for a while. But um, besides your Ryerson short and uh, basically just our involvement in whatever group chats they have, yeah, uh, we haven't really got a chance to show our voices on Geminis. And I think that's where the idea of Geminis Radio came from. And I'm really excited because. Uh, we have a, a very, what I'd like to think is a fresh idea for the movie podcast. We kind of want to take this in a direction that other movie podcasts aren't really going. Exactly. Well, first of all, as you were kind of getting on there, the two of us talk about movies all the time. We don't shut up about them. So we figured, you know, why don't we share that with other people? Why don't we share that with the world? And with a podcast, we could do that. And so how the whole Geminis angle kind of takes it is that we're also able to talk about these new, um, fresh artworks, film works by people our age that Geminis and specifically Keelan, who do you call the founder, I guess? I, I, I think he, he is the founding member. Yeah, yes. he, he's the curator. He You run everything past him. Yeah. So... You know, he's releasing everybody else's stuff. He's going to release this. And so yeah. he, he's like the Nick Fury of Geminis. Yeah. And like, just on that note, huge shout out to him because he's a real him, one. Without him, we wouldn't be able to do this. A lot of people wouldn't be able to have people see their projects. Yeah. And I think the greatest thing of all is that he is still in grade 12 and he has exams in three weeks and, and like he has not the, he has not been like off of Geminis for I want to say like one year it's like his, the only thing he does and and he he like has more work than we do like at their yeah. school like yeah the the shit that they have to do like the workload is way different than us yeah it, yeah, Keelan actually does always ask us when we when we're going to see movies specifically, like even the one that we are going to talk about later on. Like, yep. how do you guys see movies all the time? But anyways, 
this is the point here is that props to Keelan. He's doing an awesome job. And, and props to everybody at Geminis. You know, yeah. everybody behind it, everybody releasing stuff at Geminis. Yeah. Thank you. And I think uh, this is probably like the, the the first besides the the one issue long zine that Josh <laughs> Edwards did one version of. Um, I, this is probably the first uh, project of Geminis's that isn't necessarily in. The, the motion visual, picture, yeah, the visual field. And, yes, uh, we're. I can speak for us both when I say we're really excited to uh, bring what we think is a pretty cool format that I haven't really seen before to the world of podcasting and the world of Geminis, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we'd love some feedback uh, after this is done. Uh, we already have some plans in the near future for what we could be talking about and who we could be talking to. So yeah, if you like this, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to do more, and we're really excited about all of yeah. this. Um, so now that we kind of introduced Gemnus Radio and talked about what that is, we should just talk about a little bit more like about ourselves, yeah. you know, who we are, yeah. what we're into, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I just kind of wanted to go on uh. a little bit that like the way that we brought up to do this podcast is like kind of similar the way that like we even became friends yeah like i guess i guess dan was like we should like talk about movies yeah like and i guess the sort of similar thing happened like two and a half years ago when we we interacted on twitter a little bit not not knowing that we live like five minutes away from one another um and go to like the two like schools next to each other but, um, you know, I invited you to a group chat and I was like, we need to invite a bunch of assholes who all like movies. And that's actually how Keelan came to know you. So, yeah, exactly. Because uh, you knew Keelan all yeah, before. Exactly. And um, yeah, this this was really the type of thing that was driven by impulse. And I think that's really the kind of the way it goes here exactly like even uh considering the fact that the format that we have here is like by the way this is like fully unscripted yes all we have right now is a google doc with five bullet points <laughs> that will hopefully help us with like an hour-long podcast yeah uh but yeah um I i'm really excited for this and um we didn't really properly introduce ourselves but um I write f uh, reviews for KeithLovesMovies.com. We just finished up our Hot Docs coverage. And um, do you want to plug? Yeah, I write my own reviews for WhatShouldWeSee.blogspot.ca.com if you're in the States. Um, that website might be changing soon, but for now we'll stay there. Um, I've been doing that for over four years now since I was in like grade eight. So I was like 13 when I started. I'm almost 18 now. Um, yeah. Um, I can't say the same. I used to do like the dumb YouTube shit. Yeah. Just because that's the, for the longest time, that's how I was kind of exposed to this world. To like people like who were doing this over YouTube. and But uh, I think over the years, our tastes have changed. Uh, the... I guess a, a lot of like 
sorry. <laughs> this is going to happen, folks. <laughs> We're doing a podcast for the first time. But I think my passion for indie film it has like really only manifested in the past two, three years. Yep. And, and like, honestly, I would not be seeing like... A fr- I would be seeing a fraction of the movies I am seeing today if, like, I weren't friends with you. Like, yeah. There's so true. much shit I see that, like, I would not even know existed yeah. if we weren't friends. Yeah. Like all the foreign stuff. Yep. There was a lot of good foreign stuff last year. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, um, yeah. A- about my blog specifically, and I think sort of yours, the whole angle yeah. we take is s- sort of similar to the same angle we take with Geminis over the fact that, like, we're young. We're teenagers. Yeah. That was my whole thing, I guess, when I started my blog, was movie reviews from a teenager. Yeah. Um, and that c- that's kind of what got me to where I am today, in my position of seeing films. You know, I've been fortunate enough to get on the press lists of, like, studios, get to see stuff early. The t- two of us go to screenings all the time, and so... Hopefully, we'll be able to bring some early reviews to you guys now that we're starting this, given the fact that the two of us do see movies early. Yeah. Uh, And that will be kind of the way that we're doing this. And speaking of that, we might as well introduce the format of today's podcast and the rest of them. Uh, I think we're going to do this on like a bi-weekly basis. Uh, We'll try. We want to, yeah. We want to time it as best with seeing movies before they're released and then being able to release the podcasts as the movies come out. But the way that we're going to do it today is we kind of are going to link a Geminis project with a topic of the week and then a movie of the week. And all three of them are very closely uh, linked and I'll really kind of follow the same format. It works really well with this episode. Yeah, we're really fortunate for that, and I'm curious to see if we'll be able to make it work in the future. Yeah, but we are already like realizing that with the upcoming release slate, it's kind of difficult. We'll make it work. You know, we uh, we yeah. also have a backlog of stuff that we could go back and reach into. It's true. Yeah, um, but this week, um. I was gonna say we can, I guess, talk about what we've seen recently, but we'll leave that to the end because we've kind of been lingering yep. on the idea of introing everything. For yeah, a bit. for sure. Let's just jump right into it. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, our main topic of the week is the generation-defining teen movie or teen short, teen series. Um, with the release of both Twelves and Booksmart um, being very recent, and Twelves is still being released on a bi-weekly basis. No, it's, it's done now. Oh. I thought it was like eight episodes. No, three episodes. Oh. In volume one. I think they teased yeah. volume two is coming. Because the letterbox said it's like 160 minutes. Yeah. I think that was just a ballpark. Like yeah. B- a while ago. Yeah. Now I feel stupid. Twelves is done, folks. Um, but with the recent release of Twelves and with Booksmart, there's, I've I've always been so fascinated with the idea of how, for the coming of age kind of teen high school movie, 
there's this stigma around it that's not really around any other genre where they're like, this is the one that belongs to this time. They're like, that's happened with, like, I want to say this happens every three, five, three to five years. Like, and you say people like contradict themselves. Yeah. You could say that, like, somebody said, oh, the breakfast, the breakfast club is the teen movie of the 80s, and then Ferris Bueller. Even though they both came out in the eighties or whichever it's came out like first, the same year I think. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and I don't know about you, but just the whole idea of that has always felt so natural. Like as I'm walking out of a, a teen movie of any sort, like whether it be book smart or like mid nineties or even eighth grade. Want to say that like, oh, this is the best one yet? Yeah, like this is the one that represents now. But yeah. I think the reason why we got to talk about this now more than ever is that with the release of Booksmart, one of my favorite movies of all time, I can say that now, having seen the film twice. And before we just get into detail, Booksmart is out May 24th? Yes, I believe we're going to release this episode around around then. So hopefully by the time you're listening to it, it's out and you can go see it. Or you have seen it because I think we're going to go pretty deep into spoilers with it. Yeah, but not yet. Yeah, later on. We'll let them know. Um, First, do you want to talk about 12? Yeah, Yeah. sure. So 12, first of all, is co-directed by Keelan. Keelan Ellis, the man, the guy who's in charge of it all. And Ben Jeffries. Both friends of ours, I'd say. Um, and so they they went with like a more art house feel to the whole coming of age high school story, I'd like to say, which is really cool coming from people our age. Them being able to tell a story in such like an artistic and almost at times ambiguous way. You know, like I like to say the whole presentation of it isn't necessarily what you'd expect from a high school film i think there's a lot that they give you but there's even more that they don't and i think it's all about what you take away from it it's all about what you take away from these kids who are growing up and who are kind of scared to be turning into adults in the year 2019 um i think one of the most interesting parts especially with this topic being the focus of the discussion is that Keelan we know Keelan's taste we can like pull up his letterbox page right now actually but yep. like him of all people I feel like I, I can't really speak to Ben Ben Jeffries because although we know him quite a bit like Keelan's the one we know best um, I'm sure Ben has uh, has I guess some good taste in that well, and I, because I think Keelan really got Ben into film, if I'm not being mistaken. Yes, I I actually think Keelan and Will got him to sign up for Letterbox, but that's not what this is about. As the as we're talking is, about Keelan's like vast taste in film, yeah. <laughs> his last three movies watched were all Avengers Endgame. Yeah, he's his his top four is pretty diverse though. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, whoever we talk about, we should, like, give them the top four. Yeah. Um, Yeah, hopefully, we wanted to do this in a more interview style, and we kind of wanted to 
ask him about his influences, but we're just going to have to pick this all up from his letterbox page. But yeah, I think he's the type of guy who it's like, with this whole project, it feels like it's not necessarily this could be the the generation defining coming of age minis- miniseries, but it's more the type of thing where he's like, the primary focus of this whole show is that I guess the idea of having an authentic look at what it is to be a teen now, because the authenticity is in it is exceptional, and from what it seems, the dialogue, it, it doesn't seem like it's very scripted. Exactly. Like, the whole thing that I kind of took away from it is that him and Ben weren't trying to replicate anybody's work. They weren't trying to homage. Any, they were trying to get out their vision. They made what they wanted to make, and it definitely shows because it's just simply not like anything else I've really ever seen before. Yeah, and I, I think that is props to the whole, um, I guess, the authentic nature or the, the genuine feeling you get from watching it. Because really, these feel like real people. There's so much of the time that it's like having having high school students portray these kids and having high school students write about it creates this like unparalleled level i guess of groundedness <laughs> i don't know that just like it's really unparalleled that that is the best word i guess that's the best way i can put it there's there's really no other films that we can see in theaters or anything like that that really nail what it is like now except for booksmart which we'll get into later um, I, I think that's the biggest props I can give um, to them in regards to that. Um, so yeah, if you guys don't know, Twelves is a three-episode miniseries. I guess you want to call it. Yeah. Each episode episodic film. Yeah, each episode's like around fifteen minutes, so yeah. like it almost adds up to one length feature length television show. Yeah, and it follows three characters mainly: two guys and one girl. Each character gets their own episode, and um, they all take place around the same amount of time. The timelines intersect. Um, sometimes you get to see Dan's dog. Dog is barking, but don't mind that. Um, <laughs> um, each episode basically follows the character it's following. <laughs> It, it doesn't go much further than that. It's just like they're each following but, a different character. Yeah. But what's really cool and like what I'm such a sucker for is like some an event or like an encounter you see in the first episode, you get to see in the other character's perspective in the next episode. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, there actually, there's one thing that happens at the very beginning of the first episode that is in each episode. You get to see each character's reaction and emotion and yeah. I thought that was awesome that's like my favorite thing ever I really loved one of my favorite last year Bad Times the El Royale one of yours yes. too uh, did, did that. that really well yeah. and I think that was kind of trying to be audacious in that way where it was like trying to be ambitious with it but I think this is just like it's natural it's very yeah exactly it, it needs to happen for it to make and sense and it completely works yeah um yeah, but if you guys 
I think we're gonna need a transition now. This is we're we're running really long with this, but if you guys haven't caught up on Twelves yet, which I'm surprised if you haven't, because yeah. the views on it that they've been getting are really impressive. Yeah, like this is They're some of their most popular work yet. In fact, yeah, um, and there's even more to come. Uh, since we're recording at the beginning of May right now, we don't really know the June slate. Um, we'll talk about the upcoming slate a little bit in our next episode. Um, as of today, the day that we're recording, uh, the new release was Taste the Future, um, which was <laughs> kind of like an art housey yeah. genre. Yeah. Short. Really, uh, really it, different. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, very on brand with Geminis yes, and like definitely. releasing. It's just like the the reason why I hesitated there is just like usually I already have like a preconceived notion of like what a, what a movie's gonna be but like. This one's kind of hard to describe. You just kind of yeah. have to see it. Yeah, because because I didn't really have I, I didn't really have an idea what it was going in, and now because of that. I wasn't able to form an opinion before. It's hard to form an opinion after, yeah. but it. But it's definitely um, Matthew Engel, I think. Yeah. This is gonna be as the talented Nicholas guy. Nicholas Engel. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, check it out. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Took me uh, a little bit too long there. Um. But yeah, with that, um, kind of want to talk about linking that to the to the new release movie and. I guess to twelves, yeah. Uh, we might kind of want to go here into some of the better and more genuine uh, high school movies, TV shows, whatnot yeah. to be released lately. I think with Booksmart specifically, that's going to be like the whole last third of the episode is going to be dedicated to why that's authentic. So I think we'll save that for now. But yep. yeah, um, in particular. At any time, at any point of time in history, is there anything that's jumping out at you right away that, like, that hits as, like, very realistic for the time period that it's portraying? Yep. Yeah. Uh, was yeah, that a I'm, I'm asking, yeah. <laughs> I mean, something I've noticed that being my favorite films of the year, the past few years, are these female-led, coming-of-age, high school flicks. Hell Yeah. Um, being book smart, being going back, The Edge of Seventeen, Lady Bird, Eighth Grade, all four of those films are fantastic. Yeah. All four of them are super genuine and realistic, but in their own way. Yeah. I think like where Eighth Grade tackled anxiety, Edge of Seventeen did the same thing for depression. Yeah. And I just each of them cover their own sort of set of gr- like each of them cover a different part of growing up of being in high school, even though eighth grade is like technically pre high school. Yeah. I think being able to see all of those as we've been growing up has been such an incredible and moving experience. Yeah. All of these films that have been like among my favorites of the year when they've come out have like honestly shaped me into the kind of person that I am today. And um, I think it's such a wonderful time to be into film. And specifically being our age, because these films have touched me so much. Exactly. And I think even with that, it's so cool how how Christine, Lady Bird, uh, Nadine, 
uh, 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 Kayla and Amy and Molly are also like extremely different from each other yep. and it's not like the type of thing where it's like oh it's the female uh, it's coming of age movie star it's the same thing every time it's not like that each one of them has an extremely different set of qualities yes. like and I think that's one of the reasons that made me love eighth grade so much is that like you don't really ever see that kind of perspective in these types of films with like it's the nervous kid you know, th- like we don't see that um every none of them are tropes yeah n- none of these protagonists are like cliched characters all of them feel fully rounded yeah um with that even like not talking about specifically female led but right before we recorded this it just clicked with me that dope was also like extremely progressive yep because three black leads uh wait no tony tony (laughs) i I have not seen dope in a long time forgive me you have two black leads three people of color three people of color one queer character and um set in inglewood i think that type of representation is crucial and even though i haven't seen dope in a seriously long time i fucking love that movie yeah um, it's incredible. And I, I think specifically in the 2010s, um, the teen movies have taken that progressive angle. Like, and not necessarily even in the way that like they're trying to be. Like, they're not trying to change the world or anything. This is, we're just living in a time where these things are just like past as normal. Like if you released Booksmart 10 years ago, people would have been like, oh, it's the woman movie. But now it's just, it's a high school movie. And um, on the Shamik Moore coming of age um, film train, something else that, you know, might not strike you as a coming of age film right away, but totally is, is last year's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Like what a great coming of age film that's like, so different than anything else ever, right? Because yeah. not only is it a Spider-Man movie, but it's also like one of the greatest animated movies released ever. Yeah, one of Bagel. the pardon Bagel. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, one of it, it. It's so great. Everybody knows it's so great. I just figured I'd mention that. Um, something else that. You know, also stars a boy last year that I know is like s- super close to you is mid nineties. I think oh, that yeah. tackled growing up really well in a different way. Yeah, really upsetting, which is also very like most of the time using comedies. Mid nineties is upsetting. It is o- also funny. I think yeah, but I think that's why mid nineties had such a strong effect on me. Um, not just. The way that a the gecko. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clicking with jokes really late today. Um, and it's not only the thing with how like he uses skateboarding as escapism, but just the whole idea of how Jonah Hill is such an ambitious guy, and he's not trying to do the same thing over and over again like everybody else has. He wants. This is not. 
a teen movie. This is a Jonah Hill movie. And I think that's another example of a really great, unique coming-of-age movie. Um, sorry, going back even further, got like super bad, which seems yep. to be like universally agreed upon to be one of the f- like one of the funniest like raunchy comedies yes. ever. In which it. I agree with. Some people are trying to change that, but yeah, um, I, I get how like the subject matters icky now, like more than ever, just because of how they both talk about women and how. Like, but they, okay, but like covering just just to argue that yeah. covering the different people in high school, which is something Booksmart does exceptionally well. Yeah, those people that Seth and Evan are in Superbad do exist. Yeah, it's true, and they still exist. Yes. And I think part of the whole thing with Superbad is that, like, is that. If they're, like, bumbling idiots like that, they can't have such an attitude. And it's kind of an indictment of it by the end because you see how how Seth at the end is, like, having a bit of an existential crisis and he's almost, like, realized it at that point. And just because um, Evan, I guess, is, like, he, he's much better about treating women than Seth is, he's kind of... Had the win win at the end. Didn't same with McLovin, who's like iconic. He bought a McLovin shirt recently. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just switching gears and moving towards Booksmart. Something that, like I was saying, you know, the characters of Seth and Evan are real. They do exist in everybody's school. Um, the characters of Amy and Molly also exist in everybody's school. And I think something that you know, both of us can click with so well with Booksmart is that, like, they're the good kids. And I think that's something that both you and I yeah. could relate to, you yeah. know? No, no meaning to boast here. No, but, <laughs> yeah. like, with Seth and Evidence who are bad are, like, the kids who don't give a shit about school. And, like, yeah, it's hard to relate to them. Nadine in the Edge of Seventeen is the kind of character who's like too depressed to do school. Yeah. But like Amy and Molly in Booksmart like are so on top of their shit and like happy go lucky. Make sure making sure they get into their universities. They have the straight A's. They ha- they maintain their GPA. Yada yada yada. That was something I could definitely identify with. Yeah. I think with this recently the whole I guess uh, spike of like not uh, uh, without, I guess, characters in high school without personality flaws uh, that are, like, them are being bad people. Like, that's why I think I related so much to 8th grade last year. Um, just because, like, th- there's not really a focus on how she's a bad person. It's just, like, the obstacles are around her. They're not She has her. more to worry about than schoolwork. Exactly. That's the thing. Um... And I think that's what this does pretty well. Yeah, so should we just hop right into books? Yeah, yeah okay. like full-fledged. Okay, so I think since we kind of are like already talking about it, just the characters of Amy and Molly are, are so wonderful. Yeah. Um, they, they really are. And I've, I've never like had interaction like that. Put such a smile on my face, like just watching a movie, just yeah. because it felt 
so real. Like their relationship the, and the chemistry between Beanie yeah. and Caitlyn yeah. is so good. It, it's so there. Yeah. Trust me when I say like you don't know chemistry this I guess this strong until you've seen a movie like Booksmart where you feel like you are you're a fly on the wall. Yeah. You are you are the third wheel. And, and like, you and you know this the first scene between the two when um when Amy yeah when Amy gets a- Amy gets out of the car, right? Amy is Caitlin. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really good cool. Scene. And um, with them as characters and being so like, um, the fact that the the queer representation here, which, like, even as somebody who is straight, like, feels revolutionary and very important to me because, you know, it's like we've never really seen queer, I guess queer romance depicted in these types of films so naturally exactly like it always has to be like um this is actually there's a line early in the movie that um that the characters kind of talk about later uh where she says uh, where uh, molly says to um amy she says uh oh um sorry i'm blanking on it uh she says oh you've been out for two years and you haven't kissed a girl. But then later in the movie, I believe, um, or maybe it was in the Q&A when I saw it at South by Southwest, but they bring up that, uh, sorry, that, it's okay, we can go back to it. Uh, oh yeah, and then, uh, I think it was at the South by Southwest Q&A where Bean um, Feldstein made a really good point where she said, like, um, the fact that that line exists is so ironic and kind of intended just because of the whole idea of how it's not the type of thing where the focus is on how she's, she's never kissed a girl. It's how she's never kissed anybody. Yep. And it's portrayed as completely normal. Exactly, like, I don't think, I, I think Amy's, like, the main character. She's not, like, the main gay character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's not the gay sidekick, which we do see in these movies so often. And even, um, the, it's, like, the queer representation goes beyond that because some of the side characters that are, like, that is the focus of their character. Like yeah. Two of the theater kids yes. have like some of the funniest moments <laughs> in the movie. The, the one, um, shout out to who played Alim. Shout out to him. Uh, great actor. This, I know this is the first time he's been in a movie. Uh, he stole the show at the South by Southwest Q&A uh, when there was kind of some uh, dead air. He was just like yelling. <laughs> uh, it was pretty wild, but I think, yeah, just like as an ensemble piece, like uh, the, um, during the Q and A yesterday, uh, the screenwriter Katie Silberman praised the ca- the casting director Allison Jones, which is like completely deserved because every single casting in this movie is perfect. Like, it's perfect. Yeah, and like all the small details lead it to be the generation defining thing. In terms of it being generation-defining and linking back to the beginning, I think it's just because of how progressive it is. Yep. Feminist. Uh, it's inclusive. 
it's really funny and it's really good and i think it's also just like the way that they talk feels extremely like relevant yes. to now because so it's often, also it's also directed it's like, by a female yeah so often yeah also shout out to olivia wilde like one of the best directorial debuts i've ever seen yeah. from an actor yeah specifically but um the way that they talk is not like it's so often in like so blatant with the writing where they're like you can so clearly tell that this is not written by somebody who was in high school recently enough to know how high schoolers talk yep. but i don't know how they did this but they but they did that miraculously like it, everything is on point nothing feels like adults trying to be cool exactly it yeah. ju- it, it just it feels real right yeah. <laughs> it felt like you know i i didn't come home from school that day yeah um <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it um like even the other details like uh going back into the whole conversation of other generation defining movies the way that dazen confused encapsulated such like pretty much the greatest hits of classic rock mm-hmm. um book smart assembles like the best hits of indie pop uh that like we've ever seen and it's it's really generation defining in that way and people are going to know so much of this music exactly. because it was in Booksmart and i i love the way that the soundtrack in the film is utilized right like yeah. you know occasionally there'll be a song playing in a scene just because it works but yeah. a lot of the time, the song is actually playing in the film, and the song is being played or curated by whoever would be listening to it. So, for instance, <laughs> Dan is singing Death Grips, which is a song that's being played in Jared's car, who's the quote-unquote fuckboy. Yeah, you realize later in the movie that it's an act. But... Uh, Amy and Molly essentially are traversing in all these different cars um, throughout the film, um, getting from place to place. And, you know, whoever's car they're in, the song that's playing on the radio or through the stereo of the car would have been chosen by whoever's driving. So, yeah. And, like, even when they go to the theater kids, they're like, their their mystery their murder mystery party they're like playing orchestral music yep and um there's other moments where like yeah and even just like there's so many great moments where i was like jumping out of my seat in excitement just because of the music that they were playing like um i i'm a huge fan of anders being like the resident music fan of this show like Sorry, I'm like I'm a massive fan of Anderson Pack. So like I flipped out when I heard the music in the movie. Same with L C D sound system. Lizzo. <laughs> yeah, yeah we we got it. <laughs> yeah. It's true. But she's um like in particular a lot of these I guess artists not L C D sound system, they're past their time, but a lot of these artists are just starting to like, oh, like have it come up. Like yes. Lizzo is like has 
in the past three months has had a sa- an insane increase of popularity, yeah. and people are gonna get really excited about how this all, music is all in the movie. And I think this is like a move. This is one of those things that I really wish it would have been released on vinyl, but they don't have the rights to it. It's just a Spotify playlist. Um, something else relating to the music that editing when we transition in the film to a new scene and how the new song just starts blaring is perfect they do it so many times and like each time it happens the shtick of like the song blasting through the theater speakers does not get old and it's like pure movie magic it is uh my doorbell just the house is getting loud (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I want to say that's a good note to leave off on. Is it? Do you have anything else you want to throw out there? Um, go see it. Yeah. Go see it with all your friends. Yeah. See with the people you love. I think if you're our age, if you are in high school, just Wait graduated high school. one month. What do you mean? <laughs> no, oh, I thought that's where you were going. No. You're not going that. It, no. If you're our age... Or like, if you're a teenager, like you're you're actually doing yourself a disservice if you don't see this film. I thought you were gonna say if you're our age and you're in grade twelve, wait a month and see it after you've graduated. Cause no, no, see yeah. it May twenty fourth, May twenty third, opening night, opening weekend. That's gonna be surreal. That on like both. Uh, I'm, it's not on the same day, but that's irrelevant information. Like on our graduation days, so this movie will still be in semi wide release. Yes. Which is pretty surreal. So and like this is the movie that's made for us. Literally generation defining in that way for us. Because it's defined, this is like the movie's job as the 2019 graduating class movie is supposed to be. It's, that it's supposed to get people like us our yeah. approval. And, and it, it better. Like a, like a, what other books is hitting these days? Like a miracle, I don't know. Well, it's just it's just crazy that like, what are the odds that a film so fantastic, so relevant to what we're going through right now is coming out at this time? Yeah, it's yeah huge props to them. And like, I feel like I say it so much where like, where I'm so often like, oh, this movie should have come out two years ago. That would have made more sense. Yeah, this is perfect. Yeah. Um, it was something in particular. I forget what it was. Um, some movie. I forget some franchise or something. Oh, I'm blanking on it. I need to look it up on Letterboxd. Say something while I look it up on Letterboxd. Okay, so anyways. Yeah, let's talk about what's coming out in June. Oh, um, let's just move on to that anyways. Okay. Yeah. Um, on the A24 slate, we have The Souvenir, which is um, about a film student. Directed by John um, but the world cinema dramatic grand jury prize at the Sundance International Film Festival. I'm just kind of like looking forward to it because I'm going to be going into film school. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, d- I don't actually know too. much about it, but you know, it's A24. I've heard great things about it. Tilda yeah. Swinton's in it. Apparently, there's a sequel, it's which is intriguing. With Robert Pattinson that was greenlit as A24 picked it up. Which is like, what? I think that's one of the more intriguing parts yeah. for me. Considering it also looks gorgeous. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if you remember. It's also a Tiff Bell Lightbox exclusive, which is the yeah. best movie theater in Toronto. It, absolutely. Um, maybe the Paradise when it opens. Who knows? Uh, who, if you know about the Paradise and how it was supposed to open eight guy, months ago, you're back. a real one. <laughs> yeah, that one guy in the back. <laughs> uh, shout out. Um, I heard that one girl. Who knows? Also coming out in June, which we believe we're going to center our next episode upon, is Jim Jaramusha's The Dead Don't Die, which is this insane ensemble zombie movie. Yeah, where um, I love this pairing. I mean, not this pairing. It's three of them. But uh, the fact of uh, Chloe Sevigny... Bill Murray and Adam Driver playing, I guess, this this team of cops. Uh, just as, like, the, the wackiest combination, the most eclectic combination of people I've ever heard. And it makes no sense. And, like, where's Chloe Sevigny been? Um, that, that's, a, that's a topic for another time. But yep. Yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> and then Tilda Swinton joins them as this, like, uh, drag makeup, uh, sword wielding samurai uh, a makeup artist. Um, yeah. Uh, wait, where is this? We're just pulling up the list of s- stuff coming out in June because it's hard to keep track of. We have Men in Black International, my favorite. Oh, the last black man in San Francisco. Are we getting that in June though? I don't know. Like, it, wh- what day is it in the States? June 14th. Okay, limited. so it's possible. Yeah. We don't know yet, though. Yeah, uh, the thing about um, indie films in Canada is we don't find out stuff's coming out until, like, sometimes a couple of weeks before they do come out. So, yeah. oh, we have Late Night, which is um, written by Mindy Kaling, um, Emma Thompson, plays a late night talk show host looks really great wild rose uh I, i'm really looking forward to wild rose yeah kind of open to be great yeah uh, kind of open to it had like two show times there nobody talked about it but now that it played itself by west and cinema con people are raving about yep. it uh which makes sense because like nobody really saw it at tiff but now i kind of regret that they didn't see it there. so many um, female-led music movies yeah um, I Am Mother is a Netflix movie that played at Sundance, this high-concept movie um, where, like, Rose Byrne voices this robot. It's, like, really high-budget, visually really cool. Um, it says the art of self-defense here, which it got pushed back a month, so why is it here? We don't movie know. Insider, explain yourselves. But the art of self-defense is a masterpiece. Go see it. Shaft. <laughs> Next. <Yeehaw. Who's> next? <laughs> okay. Uh, we've got like child's play. Nightmare cinemas coming out this month. Oh. <laughs> Who's hyped for that? <laughs> um, ooh. Um, there's this. There's this weird thing. We don't know if yesterday is coming out this month. Yesterday is the new Danny Boyle. Yesterday's a new we th- we think it's Starting. coming out June yeah. 28. But there's this very strange thing where about half of the websites are listing it as coming out in June, and half of the websites are listing it as September. 
maybe it got pushed from June to September and they didn't update it. Time will tell. Or maybe it got pushed from September to June and they never updated it. Who knows? Yep. If somebody knows if uh, yesterday's coming out in June, please tell us. We're both very looking forward to it. We're both train spotting fans. We're both yep. Steve Jobs fans. I have not seen Slumdog Millionaire. I don't know if you have. Nope. Yeah. 127 hours, though, is yeah. good. That's Danny Boy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Both yeah, gone. <laughs> <laughs> the train spotting quote was beautiful, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Some great stuff. Um, we're hoping to do a show on the dead don't die. Uh, we got lucky enough. And copped uh, them free ticks. Yeah. Um, Keelan's it's, it's joining us. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to be uh, an episode that we to interview both Will and Keelan on. Uh, yeah. We want to talk yeah, about yeah. them because they have some experience in the realm of horror filmmaking. Kind of want to talk to them about that. Yeah. Um, I also uh, might want to hatch up on the filmography of Jim Jarmusch just because I've, n- I've only seen one movie of his mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't finish <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, oof. Um, it was Coffee and Cigarettes which is this anthology movie of people sitting in restaurants uh, drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and I only watched it because Jack White Oh. was in one of the segments and then I turned it off after Jack White's segment. <laughs> so maybe I should go back to that one. But I haven't seen Patterson. I've heard it's amazing. I haven't seen Dead Man. I've heard it's amazing. I, have, I haven't seen Down by Law. I've heard that's amazing. Yeah. That should be cool. Yep. And it's going to be fresh off the Quasette. It's premiering there in four days from when we're recording this. Wow. Uh, yeah. To wrap things off, um, anything you've seen recently? Um, I mean, like, the most notable one is Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Um, I've seen it four times, I think. We have, so I think enough said about that. Uh, Um, See, blinded by the light in August, folks. Uh, I saw it at the (laughs) Toronto... We, yeah, we, just, we, international just, we just have to bounce back and forth. Detective Pikachu. Yeah. With, with some hot trash. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me bust out the letterbox. Hellboy. Some more oh, hot yeah. trash. We just, uh, hot dogs ended last week. Oh, right. Hot dogs. Um, uh, I think you liked, uh, the, that one more than me. You want to talk about that one for a bit? Which one? Oh, liked. Knock Down the House? <laughs> no, the one you really... Oh, um, <laughs> I Love You Now Die? Yeah, I didn't want to ruin it. Yeah, um, I Love You Now Die is about the Michelle Carter case. If you guys don't know, she convinced her long-distance boyfriend, which they only met uh, five times in person, to commit suicide over text. Um, it follows her trial and whether or not she was determined guilty. Um, really interesting, really gripping stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was fan of that one. Um, who? 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 is a wild ride. Um, we don't know how or when it's going to be released. It's uh, really we're both keep your eyes out. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, a, it's about the origins of the song "Who Let the Dogs Out" and yeah. about the various amount of artists 
who have yeah. written the same song and all claim that they wrote it. And the world's leading expert of the songs, who has a museum of who let the dogs out memorabilia in his house. I made the mistake of telling my friends who ended up seeing it way too much, so I don't want to do that this time just because there's so much to be surprised. I I think we told them, like, enough to be intrigued. Like, I don't know how you don't get intrigued by that. There was a great trailer that TELUS put out recently. I don't think it's on their YouTube channel. I think it's, like, on the Seattle Film Festival's YouTube channel. (laughs) Uh, which is I how you know this. That, because that's how I found it. Uh, but I also am not ashamed that I, uh, I, uh, I'm too obsessed with film festival lineups and acquisitions. And, uh, but that's it. Knock, knock Down the House, which you yeah. all can watch on Netflix right now, is a political doc that follows four females, um, most notably Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. And... Uh, Basically, all of their journeys in and their campaigns trying to get elected for uh, like the I think was a the Senate ma- mayoral. They're trying to get elected for Congress. Congress, yeah. Just about their journeys, you know what they believe in. Uh, very liberal doc. Yeah. Um, yeah, very very left. It's a good watch though. Yeah, it's it's on it's on 4K Netflix. I know yes. you're a big 4K. I definitely am. I will um, definitely be talking about that yeah, shit yeah. in the future. Um, I saw a couple other ones at Hot Dogs. Mm. Like uh, Netflix's American Factory is one of the best docs I've ever seen coming out soon. Moonlight Sonata, which is an HBO release, like made beat ball like a baby. I love you. No die is also HBO and yeah, coming out in uh, July. July, yeah. Um. And I also saw Ask Dr. Ruth there, which is pretty pretty cute. Uh, Dr. Ruth is a nice lady. Yeah, um, I think this is a good place to leave off. I don't know how long you've been, but I'm feeling pretty good about this. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some other things coming out soon, because like, we kind of talked about June stuff, but we didn't talk about the rest of May. Yeah. Um, just to kind of shoot a couple. John Wick 3. Doesn't look too bad. Um, Brightburn doesn't look too bad. I think Brightburn looks really good. Yeah, I hope it's intense as fuck. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Um, Aladdin, I'm going to be seeing just under a week, so I'm curious to see how that one turns out because it does not look very good. Um, Rocketman also. Emotional. Pardon? <laughs> Bit you emotional. <laughs> that was the Lizzo quote of the day, folks. Uh, Rocketman. Also, oh, Rockman comes to Zoom, which you'll be seeing a little bit early. Hopefully, you can tell us about that uh, next time we record. Yeah. Um, just looking at the poster t- of Apollo 11 right now, that reminds me. I want to let you guys know on my Twitter at What Should We See, I'm constantly giving away uh, Blu-rays and stuff now. So um, I know coming up, I'm going to be giving away Blu-ray copies of Apollo 11, which is a fantastic doc. Check that out. It sucks if you haven't seen it yet, and if you don't have a home theater system, because you're kind of screwed. But, um, but un- nevertheless, an unreal experience. Um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Check my Twitter to see if the contest is still open. Um, I'm also giving away the upside, which, which we saw like two and a half years ago. <laughs> One and a half. One and a half. Which, um, like, yeah, I have no memory of it. Like, I remember my mom, like, two months ago, asked me, is the upside any good? It's like, I don't know. I said, two years ago. Yeah. 
<laughs> which it's felt pretty funny to say considering.